to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, so we'll do uh, three Shilas that came up this week, and you tell me which ones you want to talk about. So Shaila number three. We're going backwards order here. Shaila number three, the most recent from the three that, uh, that came up, was a fellow recently had, and his wife, had a baby boy. And it was their first baby boy, and neither the fellow nor his wife are a Kohen, Bas Kohen, Levi or Bas Levi, and the baby was born naturally, and therefore, Pidina Ben, right? Okay, so that's simple enough. How do you went to do Pidina Ben? So if the baby's born, let's say, a Sunday, the Pidina Ben is going to be on a Tuesday. You always go four weeks later plus two days, right? That's how you do Pidina Ben. Simple Cheshbon, right? Baby's born. This baby happened to have been born on a Friday, 10.42 a.m., and therefore the Pidina Ben is going to be... Sunday, right? It's going to be on a Sunday. And the ideal time would be Sunday afternoon before Shkia, right? Okay, so here was the Shaila. Um, the, that Sunday, the wife has a business that uh, apparently there's a major sale that provides her with most of her inventory for the entire year that she's going to be using for the business. And that sale takes place from 10 a.m. Sunday morning until 6 p.m. Sunday evening, and she's got to be there the entire time. And if not, they're going to lose thousands of dollars. And by the way, um, her parnasa is really important because he's still in school, and a very demanding school. So, uh, so they want to know, is there any chance that they're allowed to do the Pidina Ben on... Not Shabbos, Matsuri Shabbos. I don't know if they could do Matsuri Shabbos. Shabbos is definitely no go. I don't think I, I don't think we have the uh, koach to be making something like that. But uh, what? Oh, so that's also interesting, right? Maybe she doesn't have to be there. You tell her that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that. So that is Shaila number three. Working backwards, Shaila number two. Um, a fellow will call him uh, Rabbi Klein because that's his name. Was riding on a train, and uh, there was a fellow sitting next to him. Um, it looked like a student of some sort, graduate student, college student, something like that. The fellow got off the train and he left his bag on the train. So Rabbi Klein felt bad that this guy left his bag on the train. He wanted to do Hashem HaSaveda, even though chances are the guy was a guy, but he figured he'll do Hashem HaSaveda anyway. But he's got to be able to identify him. So he opens up the bag to see what's in there. Don't, don't worry, nothing, nothing too scary. But what was in there was a book of Christian theology, and amongst some other things. So his shayla now is, can he do Hashem HaSaveda? What would be the issue? If, if the guy's a Jew, then for sure it would be a problem to give him a back a book of Christian theology. And if the guy is a guy, still, you're not allowed to give him Avodah perhaps. So is this uh, giving him the ability to study Avodah to worship Avodah Is that the same? Okay, so that is Shaila number two. What should he do in that situation? Shaila number three is an email I got. Um, or oh, Shaila number one. Right, yeah, going in reverse order. Shaila number one is an email I got that, um, that read as follows. Hi, Rebbe, I have a question that is a little interesting. I'm not even sure if this is halachic or if I just need advice. We're in the hunt for a house now. In West Hempstead, I'm sorry, we'll still come visit Northwood Mirror. Okay, forgive me. And so we wanted to get pre-approval on a mortgage. My in-law suggested and brought us to meet a mortgage broker who they use, my brother-in-law uses, and they know for many years. We went, and the broker is very sweet, very helpful, really wonderful. Later, I'm, getting my, I'm telling my father all about this, and he gets kind of weird about it, asking me if I'm sure that I trust this broker, saying these guys can be sleazy. Long story short, it was a weird interaction, so I googled this broker's name. 
turns out he was in Chinuch for many years. And a few years ago, there were accusations of him doing some really terrible things with kids in the 80s and early 90s. It seems more recently he uh, went into the mortgage business. I'm not going to go into all the details he has over here. Um, so nothing has ever been confirmed. And I don't think charges have ever been brought. And he's now out of Chinuch and working as a mortgage broker. I have no reason not to trust him as a mortgage professional, but I don't know if it's inappropriate or not to associate with this person in any way. On the flip side, maybe it would be inappropriate to choose not to work with him based only on hearsay, especially considering um, that no one has ever acknowledged any wrongdoing from this man. I'm not sure if this is relevant, but apparently he has very hush of a family. Okay? The other consideration is I don't want to insult my in-laws. I'm not sure how they'd feel if I were to say, I don't want to work with this man who they seem to be friendly with um, and they seem to respect very much. And here I thought the Headlines podcast on Brett Kavanaugh was not relevant to my life. What do you think? Okay. I'm sure you know what he's talking about, the Headlines podcast. Okay, so we have Pidyan Aden, we have um, the Christian Theology book, and we have the uh, Mortgage Broker Shasara. Mortgage 2, Mortgage 2, three, three, three. Which one is three? Three is <laughs> the last one. Okay, so I guess we'll start with the last one, then we'll. <laughs> what? The last one, yeah, the mortgage. Okay, let's start with that one. The truth is, I don't think it's a very complicated shayla, the mortgage broker one. What would be a complicated shayla? If it okay, even if it was true, what? If it Okay, I, I'm not even sure that would be such a complicated shayla. I think complicated shayla would be, let's say this person was your Rebbe Mufak, and he's someone you learned so much Torah from. So now what, should you try to forget the Torah you learned from him? Should you not read his books anymore? Should you not look back at your notes? Not listen to the recordings of his shurim? What? Oh, so that's the whole shayla with Rameyer and Acher. There Rameyer learned Torah from Acher. And the Gemara asked the Kash on Rav Meir, Rav Meir, how are you allowed to do this? After all, we know the Gemara tells us in Meseches Moed Katan and in Meseches Chagiga that a hoop tsubra meirabana davusani shamane, if you have a rabbi who has a bad reputation, meaning things are going around about him, that he's done bad things, so Rabbi Yehuda struggles with the issue. What should we do with this guy? Should we put him in Cherem and Shrikhi Sometimes he's such a Chashva Tamachachim that we need him. He's the only one that can uh, deal with some issues. But if we don't put him in Cherem, what a Chil Hashem. We let someone get away with something like that. So the Gemara tells us, Have you heard anything about this? If the Rebbe is like a Malach Hashem, you try to learn Torah from him. If he's not like a Malach Hashem, you do not try to learn Torah from him. Straight, as clear as could be. If uh, Rav is not acting appropriately, you don't learn Torah from such a person. So the Gemara asks the question about why it is that a mayor was allowed to learn Torah from Elisha ben Avuya, from Acher, to Sugyun Chagiga, Daf Yodalid. And uh, the uh, Gemara tells us that one time Elisha ben Avuya, we know the story, right, was riding on a horse on Shabbos, and Toch Kedei Alicha, Rameir, was learning Torah from him. So the Gemara says, come on, Rameir, how are you allowed to do this? He's not like a Malach Hashem Tzavakos. 
So says the Gemara, Amr Eishlakish Rameir Kra Ashkach Vidarash. He found the Pasuk, then he darshaned uh, the, the Pasuk, a different Pasuk, and the Gemara says, Lokash Habagadol Habakatan. That someone the likes of Rabbi Meir is allowed is allowed to learn uh, to learn Torah from from the likes of Acher. But if you're not such a Tamachacham like Rabbi Meir, then you can't learn Torah from someone like that. So learning Torah from someone like that is at least complicated. And not just complicated, but probably Aser. I mean, Rabbi Meir was allowed to, because he was Rabbi Meir. No one else is Rabbi Meir. In fact, when the Shulchan Aruch in Yerodeus Torah, in Yeredeus, in Reish Vav, Siv Ches, Shulchan Aruch says, Harav she'eno holich bederech tova, that if, uh, if, if, if he's a great Chacham, it doesn't matter. You cannot learn from him. It's interesting, the Shulchan Aruch gives, uh, allows for Tshuva. Even though Bezin Shalmata doesn't accept Tshuva, we've discussed this, I'm sure, many times. A guy comes into Bezin and they say, Hey, how come you killed that guy in cold blood? And he says, No, no, you misunderstand. That wasn't me. What do you mean it wasn't you? We saw you. We gave you Asura. We said, don't kill that guy. You said, Afal became, I'm going to do it anyway. He said, no, no, that was before I did tshuva. But now I'm an Ishacher. I'm a different man now. So I did tshuva. So what, do, what does the basin do? We kill him. It's, it's very sweet. It's nice. It's good that you did tshuva. We're going to kill you anyway. Basin does not accept tshuva. Yet, it's not because we never know when a person did tshuva. Right, it's not because we can't read minds, or we because we do accept tshuva for for psuleidos, right? If a person was psuleidos and then he did tshuva, he becomes kashuleidos. Are you allowed to have a bal tshuva as an eight kiddushin at your wedding? Of course you are, right? We accept tshuva for psuleidos, right? We accept uh, we accept. In fact, there's a minag that that many people have to be maharer hirhure uh, tshuva under a chuppah if there has to be an eight kiddushin. Tadafka think that they that they want to do tshuva because you're allowed to as far as psuleidos are concerned. We accept tshuva for for this as well. If a person did tshuva, so then you're allowed to learn Torah from him again. But uh, but as long as he hasn't done tshuva, you're not allowed to learn Torah from him. So that's as far as learning Torah. Uh, now this, it ha- you know, and there's a lot more to say about learning Torah. We had unfortunately too many circumstances of rabbanim who are very prestigious. Um, very uh, uh, dynamic personalities and Marbitze Torah that have done unfortunate things, very terrible things. And the Shaila was, was raised about how to deal with their Sfarim, how to deal with their Torah, how to deal with learning from them in the future. And, and it could be that there's a difference between whether they've done tshuva or not. Rav Shachter has advised me to uh, completely stay away from anything they've ever said. Meaning, uh, even uh, you just assume that Rav Shakta is a whole mahalik, that uh, there's such an Indian called a Bala Masora. And if a person is not a Bala Masora, we assume that they misunderstood all the Torah that they ever learned in their entire life, and that you cannot accept anything that they say. It's a pretty extreme formulation. Uh, Rav Willig had a much less extreme formulation, as did Rav David Feinstein um, on, on this topic. But, but that's as far as learning Torah from the guy. What we're asking for is, can you let him do uh, a business? He's not, he's not involved in Torah. He's not involved in education. He's not dealing with little kids. right? So can, can you support him in any sort of business? And what this relates to more is, can you just let the guy live? right? Can you let him be part of 
a normal community where he interacts with people in a, in a normal way. And this is a very controversial topic. For example, let's say a Lamashal, uh, I don't know what this guy was or didn't do, the email didn't say, but let's say a pedophile. Let's say a convicted pedophile. Let's make it like even more uh, extreme. A guy did time in jail, he was a pedophile, he got out of jail, and now he's moving to your neighborhood. Right? The shul sends out a welcome email, welcome to uh, whatever, pedophile so-and-so, keep your children away, and now he comes to, he comes to Davin in your shul. So should you accept him into the shul? Right, okay, so he's, he's not going to be the youth director. Shine. Okay, good. <laughs> so so can, you, can you accept him into your shul? Should you run the other way? What would you say? So you, you, you would put anyone like this in the no, Let's say he said, I did chuva now. I did my time. I just want to live. Oh, so if he's not in Kherim, then uh, let, him, let him live. Um, what, what other principles might be at play over there? Danger. You can't bring a ticking time bomb in, into the shul. Lifri Iver in what sense? Oh, he's around kids. He certainly can't uh, right put him uh, in front of uh, children. If, if if you see that he has very weak uh, resistance to this yet this uh, uh, deviant yetsarhara, right? Ah, um, oh, so Judas is very good svara, right? Meaning maybe if you put him, maybe being part of a community will 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 lessen the chances of relapse. If you if you just throw him out then his chance of relapse is going to be much greater. So this Shaila came up, we had a, I mentioned it to many of the Talmudim, we had a rabbinic conference with Rav Asher Weiss a few weeks ago, and it was uh, top secret, you know, no one was allowed, uh, no recordings or anything, but uh, we were just taking notes and wrote down every single word he said, so you can, uh, but, uh, but, but someone asked about this kind of thing, about this exact topic, allowing the person into a shul. Um, Rav Asher Weiss happens to have such a person in his shul, and he allowed the person in, into his shul. The person who did time in jail ha- was thrown out of community after community in America. It wasn't thrown out, but it was you know, made, made crazy until he had no choice but to leave. Came to Israel, had the same problem there, and ended up by Rav Asherweis. Rav Asherweis um, lets, him, let, lets him be. So what's, what's the issue? So first of all, as far as the severity of the Avera, of, of being a pedophile, so Rav Asher said there is no worse Avera except for maybe murder. Right? There's, there's nothing worse that destroys lives more than uh, something like that. Um, you know, but it, hashkafically, we have to believe in the ability of people to do tshuva. We have to believe that. Believe that. Otherwise, philosophically, hashkafically, our, our entire belief in religion and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how we serve Him is, it would be entirely uh, thrown off. We have to believe that there's capacity for tshuva. One of the Rabbanim said, I think it was Rabbi Hain, uh, I'm sure it was because the notes were pretty good, uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, this person has a disease. What do you mean, chupa? The guy has a disease. He says, you know, if, uh, if, if, if a person has arthritis, do you, you believe that he has the ability to, you know, to, to do chuva from his arthritis? So Vashavai said, arthritis is a physical ailment. This is an Avera. I mean, we cannot look at an Avera as a disease. An Avera is an Avera. An Avera has chuva. So there is the ability to do chuva. So, you know, he, of course, there's always the risk the person might repeat the offense. 
And but Dr. Pelkovitz said your svara. Dr. Pelkovitz happened to have been there. He said that uh, the the current thinking is that the more you're able to incorporate him and integrate him into a community, the less his chances of relapse are. That that's going to uh, to be best for him ultimately. So what can we expect the person to do? He, you know, obviously, what do we want from him? Do we want him to just crawl up and, you know, in a ball somewhere in the corner and commit suicide and never to be heard from again? He's not allowed to commit suicide. That's us, right? If he would ask a shayla, Rabbi, my life is not worth living. No one wants to talk to me. No one looks in my direction. No one gives me, should I commit suicide? What's the answer? No, of course not. You're not he's not allowed to. So what exactly... What exactly do we, do we want him to do at this point? Now, uh, what do we want him to do? We want him to invent a time machine, go back in time, and not do those Averos. Okay, but short of that, right, he's not able to do that. He did those Averos already. Now what's he supposed to do? So obviously we need to make sure that he's supervised to the best of our, our ability, not let him be involved in any youth activities. We definitely need to let people know about him, meaning if he's going to be living in a community, then and anyone with children has every right to know about him. Aye, but that's going to embarrass him. and That's, that's part of the price you pay for the Averis that you did, and that's an ongoing price, and there's just no, there's no other option. You have to let people know about him, as the law demands in, in, in the United States with a convicted pedophile. Right? What's, what's the law called? There's a, you know, the, it, was, it was named after a kid, I think, that was killed by a repeat offender or something. So, uh, so the law demands that. Um, he needs to be told that he's not allowed to initiate conversations with the child. He is not going to be the candy man in, in shul. Um, and, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rabbi Elf from Goldberg raised, raised the issue that uh, how can you welcome him into a shul? He might have victims in your shul. So clearly if there are victims of his adavan in your shul, that has to be a consideration because they could be very, very hurt by seeing this guy walk into shul and just uh, be treated like a regular person every, every, every week. So certainly you'd want him to be in a place where his victims aren't, right? In a place that's, that's far away from anywhere that he ever committed his crime. So what are these solutions? So Ravasha said that one Rosh Yeshiva said, the guy should live in Petach Tikva. What did Petach Tikva do wrong? Right? What is, is Petach Tikva? So he said, no, the Svara is that in Petach Tikva there are no children. So Rav Asher says, I believe, I haven't studied the issue, but to the best of my knowledge, every place in human history that had men and had women also had children. Right? That's, that's like a reality of human history. So he doesn't believe that Petach Tikva doesn't have, uh, doesn't have children. That was Rav Asher Weiss's uh, point about human history. Um, so what? Let him go elsewhere. He is elsewhere. He's been thrown out of all these communities. Well, where, do, where do you want him to go anymore? So uh, one of the rabbis, I think, suggested let him daven at an old age home. Let him daven at a uh, you know at a senior center, you know, uh, an assisted living facility, something like that. If they have a minion there, so it, it, that's a nice idea. If if there is one that's available to him where he could daven there, okay, that's where he could daven. What's he supposed to do for a living? Right? He's he's got to live. I would argue that there is no better living for a person like this to make than to be a mortgage broker. You know why? You know who doesn't apply for mortgages? Children. They never apply for mortgages. Right? So if there's ever going to be a profession that's for him, it would be a profession that involves zero children. So that, I think, would, be, would make a lot of sense. Now, the only... The only so I thought that it's, it should be a double pashut, that, that Dafka, not, not that Dafka have to seek him out as the person that you use, but if he has a good reputation and he's good at what, uh, in, in, in professional reputation and he's good at what he does, 
So uh, no reason not to use him. Again, he's gonna, he needs to live. You know, you, you, you don't need to make sure that he's the richest guy around, but he needs, he needs to live and let him be in this profession and not have any thoughts of wanting to go back into Chinuch and to trying to find a place where nobody knows him to, to be able to go back into Chinuch. Because as far as Chinuch is concerned, he's out for life. There's no way, no way we could ever let him back in a Chinuch situation or even in a Rabbana situation, even I would say in an adult education situation because he's not Domal Malach Hashem. Now the, the complicating factor over here is that it seems that since he was never convicted of anything in this case, uh, that he never did tshuva either, meaning because he never uh, he never admitted any wrongdoing. Um, so what do you do about that? So that's a little bit trickier because uh, he never admitted any wrongdoing. So that, what would that make him? That would make him, if he's guilty, a Russia, right? Not about tshuva, but a Russia. Is there any halacha that you're not allowed to use a Russia as a mortgage broker? I don't know. I don't think there's any such halacha. Right? Again, you don't have to go out of your way to give him business. And there is a mile to try to give business to Tamid Chachamim. Right? That's what the, when the Chavetz Chaim uh, you know, had a store. So he would open a store for long enough for all the people to come and buy uh, whatever they needed till he had enough to live on for that day. And then he closed the store like five minutes later because people would always go to him first because they wanted the Chavetz Chaim to get back to learning. So they would, uh, they would buy from him. So you have his store open, I don't know, for an hour a day or something. And then you go back to the... Because, and, and that's the halacha. You're supposed to give the business to a Talmud Chacham, to someone, to a Tzaddik first. Uh, but, but I don't think there's any iser to give the business to someone who had done an Avera, an unrelated Avera, and had not done Shuva. So Lani Daiti, I thought that a mortgage broker is a really great idea for someone like that. And that there's no no problem whatsoever in using him for that uh, for that business. Good. Next Shaila. Okay. Yeah, we'll go in order here. Maybe we'll cover all three tonight. Let's try for it. Okay. What about the Hashavas Aveda? Here I'm going to try to cover all three. So we'll go we'll go through the Hashavas Aveda one pretty quickly. Hashavas Aveda. What's the issue over here? Hashavas Aveda to a guy. Mutter asur mitzvah. Those are your three options. So the Gemara Mesechus Baba Kama Kuf Yud Gimel and Beis L'Kal Avedu Sachicha Alachicha Atamachzir V'Atamachzir L'Goy You're not allowed to be Machzir and Aveda to a guy um, and then the Gemara says that even if it's Baal Liyado already you don't have to return it um, the tour in Simon Reish Samachvav says that you don't have to pick it up but if, and, and even if you did pick it up you don't have to return it based on that Gemara and um, the tour based on the Gemara Sanhedrin Tafayin Vavam Beis tells us Leman Sfos Haraves Hatzmeya is a reference to Maxi Aveda Lagai, meaning it's an Avera to be Maxi Aveda Lagai because you're showing that you treat a guy the same way you treat a Jew, and that should not be the case. A person treats a Jew like family, a person treats a non Jew with respect, but not like family. And to go out of your way to do Ashavas Aveda, that's already treating them like family, and that uh, we don't do. The Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, says that to be Machsi Aveda Lenachri is to be Machsik Yidei over Aveira. The assumption was that they were all over Aveira. Now, what if they're not over Aveira? So then, Lechora, uh, it would be, uh, would be, would be There is a discussion that we showed him who's considered the Akum or the Goy that you're not allowed to be Maxi Aveda to. So the Torah says, Ovdei Avodazara. Beis Yosef says, no, 
all Goyim are included. Tor didn't really mean of the Avodah Zara. He just uh, he, he just wrote that like for the censors. You know, people aren't going to like if he says not to be Maksavei So he writes, oh no, no, that's for the pagans. But you know, wink, wink. We really know what he means. That it's really for uh, for for any guy. Okay. Uh, others say no, no. He wrote of the Avodah Zara because even the Yisrael of the Avodah Zara, you're not allowed to be Maksavei too. So that's what he wanted to include, even even a Jew. Um, however, the Torah writes based on the Bryson of Kamakufi the Gimel and Beis that Reb Pilchus Pinyaris says b'makom kiddush Hashem machzirin, and that seems to be what we assume lahalacha that if there's any opportunity for kiddush Hashem, then you're machzir naveda. Not only because of the kiddush Hashem element, the Beragola, in a much celebrated comment in Choshen Mishpatim Mishin Memchas, writes va'ani kosev zos ledoros. I need to write this down for future generations. Shari'isi rabim shegadu vehashiro mitoz sheyitu akum. I've seen many people who've become wealthy off of mistakes made by non-Jews in business. Velohitzlichu. And people who became wealthy that way ultimately were not succe- successful. Viyardu nechseem letimayon. And all of their money was ultimately lost. Velohinichu achreem bracha. In the long run, no bracha came from taking advantage of other people, of non-Jews. And he says, I've seen lots of people that were willing to be machzir, a ta'us akum, even if it was very expensive. And they did really, really well, and they left a great meaning. What's he trying to emphasize? We need to be super-duper honest. Beyond super-duper honest, we need to make a Kiddush Hashem in every which way when we deal with uh, Dine Mominus issues of non-Jews. And that's what we assume. I asked for Salvechik once about this, and he told me that his father, Ravaran Salvechik, said it, that, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, since the Golos has been so long, we need to start being careful about Ta'usakum, and Ravaran Salvechik said that the same is going to apply to Hashavah Saveda. We generally do care about people's rights to their money, and that's Sheiris Yisrael Yasa Avla, that we try to be honest, we try to do the right thing uh, within the bounds of expected civil behavior. If the guy is a terrible person, that's one thing. But if we don't know him to be a terrible person, then, within the, then it's within the bounds of civil behavior to make the Kiddush Hashem to do the right thing. Okay, that's if it's a regular Aveda. But over here, over here, why is this different? It's a book of Christian theology. Now, is there an Isra of Lifnaivar to a guy? So the guys in my shir know this, right? We just did the Avodzar Davav, right? Minayin, the Gemara says, how do I know that you're not allowed to give Aver Minachai to Ben Noach? Because it says Lifnaivar Lositin Mikshal. So you're not allowed to be Moshe, because Yayin Lenazir, two examples the Gemara gives. You're not allowed to give wine to a Nazir or Aver Minachai to Ben Noach. Because Lifneiver Lositin Mitchell. Clearly there's an issue of Lifneiver to a uh, to a non Jew. You're not allowed to give him something that's usur for him. I, the Sefer Achinuch, the Mitzvah Lamed Beis, writes that the issue of Lifneiver is Shalola Hachshil, B'nei Yisrael, Loseislam Eitzarah. So Rav Ashwais explains in Milchasashun, Sefer Vayikra, that the issue of Eitzarah is only to B'nei Yisrael. The issue of being machshil in an Aveira is even to of the Chavim. Rav Asher explains, Eitzah is an Aveira bin Adam, 
l'chaveru, to give someone bad advice, b'nadam l'chaveru, I'm going to tell you to buy a stock that I know is about to tank. That's b'nadam l'chaveru. To be machshil in an iser, that's b'nadam l'makom. So din and b'nadam l'chaveru don't generally apply to of the chavim, right, to nachrim, but din and b'nadam l'makom, HaKadosh Baruch wants wants all of the all of humanity to do their obligations toward him. So you can't be machshil and anju in, in an iser. So that seems an open and shut case that certainly there is an issue of Lifni Iver when you give something that is forbidden to a non-Jew. The question then is, is this in fact forbidden? So what does that depend on? Well, okay, let's, let's, a lot of times people miss, uh, misstate this. They say, oh, big machlokas with the Christianity is Avodazar. There is no machlokas. Christianity is absolutely Avodazar. It is Avodazar for us. I'll, I'll tell you a bigger Kiddush. Islam is Avodazar. Uh, the Ram says not, he means it's not for of the Kachavim. But for us, it is an Avoda that is Zara Lanu. Any Avoda that is outside of Avodas Hashem for a Jewish person is Avoda Zara. That, that's not a doubt. The question is, is it an Avoda Zara for a Nachri? Is someone who's not a Jew, an Eno Yehudi, Permitted to, to do so, that's what the Rabbi famously says. Islam is permissible for non Jew because it is a monotheistic religion. And Christianity, the Rabbi says, no way, the Trinity, the belief in the Trinity is, uh, is a violation of Avodazari, even from the definition of a non Jew. Tosos has a comment in Masech Sanhedrin where he seems to say, not that way. He seems to assume that when, you, when, when it's an issue of Shituf, what's Shituf? Not a violation of the first of the Aseris Adibros, but a violation of the second of the Aseris Adibros. They say, yeah, I believe that. Ah, I want a mother, what is it? The mother, the son, the Holy Ghost. I don't know, whatever. I, I, I believe that there are some partners, that there's, uh, you know, that, that, that there's a chevra there's a, there's a together that, uh, you know, that takes care of things. Oh, a person does that. So that is a, that seems to be a machlokas, right? That's what the Ram says is certainly avodazara, but uh, the baliatos seem to say not that way. Now, it happens to me, it's, it's interesting, because if a non-Jew believes in shituf, but prays to Jesus, I want to say that in this Praise to Yashka. Right? If a non Jew is, he, he, he prays to Yashka. So is, that's still probably an Avodazara. Because he's praying to the wrong one. Right? I mean, if, if believing in Shituf or you know, observing that religion may not be Avodazara according to some Rishabh. Certainly according to the Me'iri, it's not Avodazara. And the Ramah sounds like he might say this way, or at least to take a shvua by the name of uh, the you know the the shituf is not uh, is not a violation to to allow him to take a shvua in such a way. But but if he if he's just praying to Yashka, l'chaura that's avodazara. They just had a video last week. Rudy Giuliani visited the Ohel, so uh, they interviewed him after he visited the Rebbe's Ohel. It was right before the Kinnah Shluchim and right before the midterm elections. I'm not sure which one brought Rudy to the OL, <laughs> but they, they had an interview with him afterwards. And the whole time he said, I think this was an appropriate time to pray to Rabbi Schneerson. And he kept on saying over and over again. So this was, I met him a few times, so I decided to pray to Rabbi Schneerson. 
So they should have stopped and they should have yelled at him, no, we're not praying to Rabbi Schneerson. We're praying in the Zechus of a tzaddik, but we're not allowed to pray to Rabbi Schneerson. And you're not allowed to either, Rudy Giuliani, because that is Avodazar, right? You're not allowed to pray to uh, some, other, uh, some other God, even if the person was holy tzaddik, right? You're not allowed to, uh, to, to, to pray to an Avodazar. So that's... Um, so that's the issue over here. Is this, so you could argue that there are some shitos that, that, that hold, even though I don't think it's a generally accepted opinion, that for a non-Jew it's not called a Vodazar. So, so you're being machshil him in what is suffix Vodazar. So what would you say? Return it or don't return it? So don't return it. Meaning you have no, if you leave it on the train, no one's going to know the difference. Right? And no one's going to know the difference for it. Uh, do you have an opportunity to make Kiddush Hashem? Maybe. Maybe you do, yeah. Where Yamka, and he says, my name is Rabbi Klein, right? So probably has an opportunity to make Kiddush Hashem. Uh, Rabbi Willig said he once found a wallet. On the, he said normally when he calls people, uh, he always says, it's Mordechai Willig, right? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, doesn't say it's, uh, it's Rabbi Willig, Rosh Hashiva, and Rosh Kola, Levine. He doesn't read his resume, you know? So, but he said one time, one time he, he uh, went with the whole rabbi uh, bit. Uh, he, he found a wallet that belonged to a guy on the train. So the whole Indian is to make a Kiddush Hashem. So he said, um, he, he sent it to the address and the thing, and he wrote in the return address, Rabbi Mordechai Willig. Okay, fine. So that's an opportunity for Kiddush Hashem. Over here, there's another Eitzah, though. When you find something on a train, on a Long Island Railroad train or on a subway or whatever, so you go to Penn Station, and they have a lost and found. So you give it to them, and they'll do that, Shavu if they can find the person. Right? Or if the person finds them, more likely. They're probably not looking for people. But if the person finds them, so that's lefnei de lefnei, amir la amira, you know, on something that's only a suffix to begin with. So that probably is okay. And we'll make a kiddush Hashem to the person who's running the lost and found. So I thought that would be mutter to do. Obligatory? No, but I thought that would be mutter and perhaps even uh, a nice thing, the right thing to do. Okay, last one. Did you say which train it is? Taking the Woodmere train to Penn Station, that it's most then it might be a Jew. <laughs> I was studying Christian theology. That would be a problem um, if it's a Jew. Okay, the, what about the Pidyon Ben question? So, what it boils down to is as follows At what age does a child require a Pidyon Ben? So, you know, it says all over Shas 30 days. Not required Pidyon Ben. So, a number of the postcoms say, nah, it doesn't really mean 30 days. It means one month. What's one month, one lunar month? 29 days, 12 hours, and Tafshin Sadi Gimel Chalakim. Okay, so 793 Chalakim. So that's, uh, that's, that's one lunar month. So some of the postcoms say, that's the real Zman of uh, Pidyon Ben. That's what the Bach writes. That's the real Zman of Pidyon Ben. We always say Shloshim Yom, because Shloshim Yom is just another way of saying a month. But the minute has developed that we always do it on day 31, because that's always 30 days later, right? That always covers both the uh, 29 days, 12 hours, and if you're counting by days, it's always 30 days later if you do it on day 31, which means four weeks from the day of the birth, and then add another two days. That's what we always do. There is a discussion in Poskim whether Pitina Ben is ever allowed to be done at night. Why wouldn't it be allowed to be done at night? So the truth is, if it can't be done at night, then what category does that mitzvah fall into? Mitzvah Shazman Grama, right? The Gemara in Kiddushin talks all about Mitzvah Shazman Grama, and, and the Gemara even discusses why is it that a woman is not Chayiv in Pidyon Ben, 
And it never says, because it's Mitzvah Shazman Grama. It makes a fancy drasha. Tipa de, tif de. Right? It doesn't, doesn't say anything about Mitzvah Shazman Grama. Clearly indicating that Pidina Ben is not a Mitzvah Shazman Grama, and it is Kasher Belayla. The Gemara says, Mila is a Mitzvah Shazman Grama because we can't do it at night. The Gemara in Kiddushin in Lamedal, it is even explicit. Talmud Torah, Pidina Ben are not Mitzvah Shazman Grama, and Nashim are Pater anyway. Um, the minag, however, is that we always do it by the day. The Magen writes in Tavkov Samaches of Yud because uh, uh, even though it's permissible at night, we keep the minag. What's that minag based on? All sorts of interesting ideas behind this minag. Rabbi Yaakov Emden says because a suma, someone who's blind, is ochel ve'ena saveya. Can't see his food, so he's never fully satisfied with his food. So who's going to have the suddas pin ben at night? You're not going to be able to see your food and be satisfied with your food. Uh, that's the reason, you know, just turn on the lights and you'll be okay, right? So other suggestions are made. The Marsham writes that even though, uh, that, that is based on, 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 uh, on, on, on uh, Makas Bechoros, and Makas Bechoros, yes, it happened at night, but the Bechoros were Mifaperes Adaboker. They were still, you know, dying until the morning. And uh, that's when they ultimately died, and the Pidina Ben is sort of like the Kapara for that. Okay. The Chuvas Gur Arya Yardes and Kufta Zayin based on Gamar Ksubastaf, hey, A Nosinashim Bishabis, Blobachan Bishabis, Shami Yishrod Benov. Remember this Gamara? We're afraid that if you have a big Suda right after Shabbos, then you might shacht on Shabbos. So if you can have a Pidina Benam, but say Shabbos, you were afraid you might shacht an animal. These reasons are not like the strongest, right? You understand? These aren't like uh, these uh, ironclad halachic reasons. But they're trying to explain a minute, that there is such a minute. Now, if you were to tell me that, that the... Uh, so, again, we have a machlokas, whether you have to wait till 29 days, 12 hours, and 793 halak, right? Or just the, that day is good enough, yeah, and you don't have to wait till that, that amount of time passed. Then we have a further discussion, at least, about a minhag, a strong minhag, of doing it during the day, not at night. So in this case, I said, okay, what time was the baby born? Baby was born 10.42 a.m. on Friday, which means when is 29 days, 12 hours, 793 chalakim? Well, Shabbos after 11 p.m. So they're not going to want to do the pidyon bed when Shabbos is out at 5.30, right, after 11 p.m. on Masai Shabbos. Mistam, mistam. Plus, even to do it then would be a violation of this minhag that has all these strange reasons. But still, it's a violation of this, of this minhag. So would it be kosher if they did? You know, if Moshe has a tshuva, a family didn't know how to do the cheshbon when they were deciding to do the pidyon ben, and they did it on day 30 instead of day 31. So a baby was born on a Sunday, they scheduled the pidyon ben, sent out invitations, the whole world came Monday afternoon for the pidyon ben. So they asked Moshe, what, what should we do? Everyone's here now. And one rabbi is like, oh, when, you know, the baby was born on a Shabbos. I don't remember being a Shabbos priest. They're like, no, the baby was born on a Sunday. And he's like, uh, you know. <laughs> so, so what do we do now? What do we do right there on the spot? So Moshe says, Kavit Shabatara. And certainly it's Docha, the Minag, of not doing it at night. And, it's, uh, and, and many posts can hold as long as you get the right date. So, so start the Suda then and just do the Pidyon, since you do it late in the day anyway, start the Suda then and do the actual Pidyon that night. And that way you're ready on day 31 because it's that night. So he's willing to be Mekel in that situation. There are even posts, I think Maram Brisk has a Tshuva, where he suggests that it's better to do Pidyon Aben 
at night, because he writes in Chelchal Sim Samachal, and this is the one that resonates most with this case. People are trying, are very busy all day, trying to make a living, which is exactly this case, right? The woman's going to be busy all day, trying to make a living. Um, so the time for Sudha is really at night, so better to do the Pidyon at night. Again, we don't pass, and that it's better to do it at night. Ravadi Yosef says the minute of Svardim is to do it at night. But we typically do the Pidyon Ben during the day. So in this case, where the woman has to be there from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So again, strictly speaking, she doesn't have to be at the kids' Pidyon Ben. But again, you tell her that. I'm not telling her that. Right? So, so what, do you, what do you suggest in this case? Before 10 a.m., right? Meaning we do pseudos like this all the time at like 8 o'clock in the morning. What do we call those pseudos? A bris, right? So pretend it's like a, it's like a bris kind of timing. So instead of having a big fleshig, well, you know, even by a bris, there's an Indian of having a fleshig suit that's not so common anymore. But, uh, but you know, you could have, instead of a big fleshig you could have a bris food. You know, you could have uh, whatever, bagels or whatever, I don't know, whatever whatever the standard fare in your community for, uh, for a bris is. And you could do a pitinaben in the uh, in the morning in, the, in that case. I don't think it's enough to warrant doing it the night before, especially within, you know, less than 29 hours, 12, 29 days, 12 hours, and 793 halakim. Okay, we'll stop there. Everyone have a great Shabbos.